The Chicago Bulls have fired head coach Fred Hoiberg. It is once again the legendary Stay House Podcast. We thank you all for joining us again. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Jordan. What's up, fella? The end of the career of Fred Hoiberg is what's up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You saw it coming, just not this early. I, I was kind of thrown off by it, but yeah. Yeah, and, and I still am of the belief that the candidate that I've thrown around is a strong possibility. Despite what front office has said. And oh, do I have words for the Bulls front office? Mm-hmm. Yep, we got heat. Heat. So just as a uh, refresher, a roundup, Fred Hoiberg was dismissed as the Chicago Bulls head, co- head coach. And how do you feel about that, Jordan? Um, set up to fail. Uh, I mean, you look at all these coaches, man, that, that that have walked through this door. And in one fashion or another, they've been set up to fail. Uh, I think the problem, which has always been the problem, has been the front office has had their hand in way too many decisions when it comes to you know, the, the building of the team, what, what the coach wants and what they expect out of the coach. They want too much control over whoever they, they, they hire. And I think that was the reason why Vinny Del Negro butted heads with John Paxson, uh, literally. Uh, you got Tom Thibodeau, who was the best coach we've had in years uh, since Phil Jackson, in my opinion, and ran out because, you know, he was tired of dealing with that mess. And now you got Fred Hoiberg, who, in my opinion, was just a rug. You're just walking all over him. He was the mayor, the nice guy, you know, doesn't yell, doesn't do anything, gives in. I, I, they're using these people, and there, there is no progression. I honestly don't think that there's any progression with this front office. You got Garpax, who is hated by everybody in Chicago. You got Reinsdorf, who's loyal to a fault to everybody. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's not, I don't see it going anywhere, man. That's the reason why we got the problems that we still have. I'm a big fan of the television series, The Office. <laughs> yes, sir. And while, and, and while canvassing the uh, social grounds that is Twitter, I came across a snippet, a scene from The Office, and it served as a perfectly fine explanation for what we have here. Uh, It's a scene where Pam, and speaking of Michael, used an illustration. Mm -hmm. She said that when you allow a child to get behind the wheel of a car and the child runs into a tree, You don't blame the child. Not at all. You blame the 30-year-old that says, no, kid, go ahead and drive. 
the same is true as this of these bulls. Fred Hoiberg, please believe he has his share of the blame in this whole fiasco that's going on. However, I don't know what anyone else feels. I don't know what public opinion is. But in my opinion, Fred Hoiberg bears 10 to 15 percent of the blame for what's currently wrong with the Bulls and what has been wrong with the Bulls for the last three years that he's been here. Mm -hmm. You wanted the anti-tibs. And that's exactly what you got, the anti-tibs. You wanted a guy that would be easygoing and uh, wouldn't be so difficult, wouldn't push the players so hard. Oh, yeah. And then the minute you bring Mr. Softspoken in, the first thing that comes out of your lead veteran's mouth, the guy that even you as an organization Mm -hmm. pointed to as the anti-dairy. Because, oh, they love to villainize the people that they've grown tired of. The hardworking, grinding, anti-Derek then proceeded to throw your brand new Wonder Boy under the bus. He said he needed to be coached harder. With that single statement from that point forward, Fred Hoiberg was doomed. Absolutely. Because if the front office didn't do it to begin with, by going out and trying to find the most soft-spoken whipping boy, so to speak, that they could find, that did it. Fred Hoiberg was doomed. Any future respect was lost. Jimmy Butler said he needs to coach us harder. Because no one can explain to me to this day what it means to coach harder. What Jimmy was basically saying was, this guy is soft. Mm -hmm. In so many words. And once you've established yourself as soft, it's very, very difficult to turn that back around. Absolutely. I happen to be in management. And one thing I was told early on was, it's better to come out and be a jerk and be difficult and be hard and soften up than it is to come out and try to be everyone's friend and be the nice guy and then come around and harden up on him. Because Fred Hoiberg was promised to be a savior, he was going to do all the things Tibbs couldn't do for you. are going to get all the shots you want. You can shoot wherever and however you want. You see what Golden State's doing? You're going to get to do that. Mm -hmm. That's what Fred's going to do for you. Oh, you don't want to practice hard? Well, Fred's not going to make you practice hard. (laughs) They were saying all of these things while Tibbs was still there. Your next coach is not going to push you like this. They were waiting outside the locker room when that Cavaliers series ended. Ready to dismiss Tom Thibodeau. So they could bring in Fred Hoiberg. They knew he was coming 
months before anyone else. How in the world does every newspaper in this in the city of Chicago, how in the world do tons of national media outlets know Fred Hoiberg is coming to Chicago and then you have the gall and the audacity to say he wasn't pre-picked, he wasn't pre-chosen, he wasn't Gar's guy. <laughs> yeah, of course he was. And then the press conference that John Paxson, who I have defended on this podcast before, mm-hmm. yeah, and honestly because he's better than Gar, <laughs> that's a low bar. <laughs> it's not saying much. Proceeds to get up there yet again and spout out hypocrisies, untruths, flat-out lies. Blasphemy. <laughs> He proceeds to to sit up here and tell you, the Chicago Bulls fan, that what you see is not what you see. So now, what kind of coach do the Bulls need? Well, Fred wasn't fiery enough. Fred really didn't command the room. Remember two years ago where they basically said, we have to teach Fred how to coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Played him. Played him like a drum in that opening press. I remember that. And then you come out and say, oh, well, we don't like the way this team looked. They became okay with losing. <laughs> Last year, even though we had a poor record, we still had a fire inside us. We wanted to win. Do you really think Fred Hoiberg did anything different this year from last year? Absolutely not. You want to know what the difference is? You now have someone who makes $20 million who you told defense didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And he goes out and he takes the worst shot in basketball and he isn't even good at making that. And he repeatedly, in ISO situations, takes the worst shot in basketball, does not bust his hump to get back on defense, walks around and mopes because he's still not starting. <sighs> you brought him in. You told him, get your game up and we'll pay you another $20 million. You told Zach Levine, here, handle the ball because we're paying you this much. We need you to score. What's Zach Levine going to go out and do? Score the way he knows how. ISO situations. Hmm. Taking step back three-pointers when you're down one (laughs) with 10 seconds left. Basic math. Now, am I saying that Jabari can't be an asset to this team? By no means. Am I saying that Zach Levine can't be a lead guy on this team by no means. But we talked about culture, Jordan. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about culture, since you won't allow a coach to come in and have enough control, enough say-so to create culture, because you crave to get the credit and none of the blame 
for any success in this organization. Yep. You are now the authors of that culture. So you wonder why the culture never changes. No matter what coach you put in that seat. One coach came here and changed culture and they couldn't wait to get him out of here. Is Tibbs perfect? No. He's not perfect. Does he overdo it? Yes. Because Tibbs wants you wants you to go as hard as he does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he overdoes it. But you know what he did? He single-handedly came in here and changed culture. Mm-hmm. He got Derrick Rose. He got Kyle Korver to guard people. He got Carlos Boozer to at least swipe at a basketball. He found out a way to manage Taj Gibson and Carlos Boozer and utilize them to the best of their abilities, to the best of their talents. Were they both a little salty? Yes. Mm -hmm. But they dealt with it because Tibbs changed culture. But guess what? When he got credit for changing culture, you couldn't take it. When he got credit for being one of the top coaches in the league, look what he's doing to this team of ragtag guys, of try-hard guys. They got Derrick Rose and some other dudes. You couldn't take it. Well, no, we... We brought this talent together. We should be getting credit. Do you get credit for what this team is now? Do you want that responsibility now? No. Mm-mm. You hate Tom Thibodeau so much, so much. That three and a half years later, you were still throwing shade at Tom Thibodeau. Said in the press conference the other day. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Tom Thibodeau supposed to be a defensive coach. And look what Minnesota did last year. Yeah, I, I heard that. <laughs> Made me laugh. The nerve to go on public airwaves the next day. Oh, we would never say anything disparaging about another organization. You just did. Yeah, in a backwards way, acting like a kid. Yep. You just did. You brought up the Philadelphia 76ers. They lost games, and they didn't get used to losing. But when Steve Kerr stands up for a fellow coach and says, in his own opinion, hey, Fred Hoiberg didn't get enough of a shot. Four of his top seven guys are injured. They're a young team. They rebuilt three times in three and a half years. You brought Fred Hoiberg in here. Because you knew full well, but didn't want to give credit for. You knew that Tom Thibodeau had instilled a culture. 
and you thought to yourselves, if only we could just get these guys to be a little more loose offensively, they'll do everything Tibbs taught them defensively. That went to the wayside. Because you told Fred Hoiberg, admit it or not, don't worry about defense. They know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you got there, when Fred Hoiberg got there, the defense went to pot. The culture went to pot. Jimmy Butler wants to be coached harder. You're lying to Joaquin Noah. Any repercussions? Any press conferences? No. Any accountability for your new coach for taking this ready-made team and making them worse? No. Then you say, okay, it must be something wrong with the team. It can't be the coach. So we'll scrap that. And you hold a press conference. And you tell everybody in Chicago, we're going to get younger and faster and more athletic. That's why we brought Fred Hoiberg in here. And with their first round pick, the Bulls select Denzel Valentine. The oldest, slowest, least athletic person in the draft. (laughs) With no knees. But you weren't done. You want to get more, you want to get younger, more athletic, quicker. Let's sign Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. That's not all. Keep going. <laughs> not the Dwayne Wade of our memories. Not the flash. Mm-mm. He's not no. flash anymore. Flash in the pan. <laughs> this is the, the first leg of the farewell tour. Dwayne Wayne. Yeah. This is the shades of his former self, Dwayne Wade. But you know what? He's from Chicago. And we've sold Derrick Rose up the river several times. Mm-hmm. Because that's the reason why we're failing. Because you couldn't wait to lean on that. Well, you know, Derrick got hurt and, and adjust. You sang that song for three years. Adjust. So then you bring in Dwayne Wade because you need a guy that's from Chicago that's high profile. How else are you going to fill the United Center? Because we're going to be older, slower, less athletic. Rajon Rondo. And then your leader emerges. Because your new Chicago kid, first thing out of his mouth is, oh, Jimmy's our leader. This is his team. Jimmy and Mark Wahlberg were never happier. They're now the best of buddies. Mr. Wade and Mr. Butler. Because now Jimmy's got a veteran that can disrespect this coach with him. That can run over 
your whipping boy. See, the thing is, is when you hire a whipping boy, other people who are hypocrites like yourself know what a whipping boy looks like. They can see him a mile away. All due respect to Fred Hoiberg. So do you think that the one remaining go-hard vestige from Tom Thibodeau didn't know that this was your whipping boy? Didn't know you brought him here because you butt heads with somebody and you don't like to butt heads. Somebody's got to kiss the ring. So Jimmy says, if you're kissing rings, you got to kiss mine too. And Dwayne Wade is like, well, I actually have rings. You got to kiss mine. So now this younger, faster, more athletic, more exciting team that you're trying to build is getting bullied by your old, slow, unathletic guys. It takes Rajon Rondo to save your behind. And then what do you do? Oh, I applaud their fire. Two weeks that stunted your franchise and you're applauding the fire. Now, the players you had in here, those young, those young players that supposedly were brought in here at that time weren't worth much. We talked about Jaron Grant. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember who else was there. Denzel, Paul Zipser. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about Zipser. Yeah, he was there. Oh, we like Paul Zipser. Remember that? <laughs> the part that pains me. Oh, don't even say pain. <laughs> <laughs> don't think that hasn't played a part in Fred Hoiberg getting fired. Because <laughs> here's my deal, too with that. I have a, a sinking sensation that as time went along and he got a little fed up, oh, Freddie boy grew a spine. Because you take somebody like that, they don't want to get pushed around too much longer. At some point, it's either fight or flight. So Fred, Fred's got fight in him. So when you tell Jabari Parker he's going to start, no, I bench him. <laughs> he wasn't bad. He wasn't good for my offense in the first place. Well, we want him to play small forward. He's a power forward. Well, we like campaign, and we traded Taj Gibson for him. That's great. He's bad. He's getting benched. Yeah. Had a little bit had, had a little bit of spitfire at the end there. Oh, so now we want to go in another direction. That's fine. 
That's fine. Jim Boylan. Because now, notice the pattern of Bulls coaches. Bulls fans, Stayos fans. The pattern of coaches that... Let's talk about that. It's been stated, and I'm going to overstate it because it needs to be overstated. The Stay House Podcast, we can be reached on Instagram and on Twitter. So I'm going <laughs> to challenge anybody that's listening. I, I know we don't have a myriad of listeners, but we got enough to, to comment in some sections. I'm going to challenge our fans to find me an organization that's been this inept over the course of 15 years that gets to hire six coaches. And still keep the same front office? Oh, yeah. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that. If you can find that, anyone out there, let me know. Yeah, I look, man. It's money. I, it's I, politics. It, it's it's fatiguing. It really is. It really is. But because Michael Reinsdorf now, who's taken over, he's got some corporate buddies. They're gonna keep some butts in the seats. Ticket giveaways. To keep some butts in the seats. And as much respect as I have for Jabari Parker, he does a great he does wonders in the community, which is part of the reason he wanted to come back to Chicago. Part. I'd say maybe two percent. I'd say twenty million dollars was ninety eight percent. Yeah, I'd say that too. Because ain't nobody else giving him that kind of money. Because you can give the, you can get a charity from a from a far way off. Yeah. But guess what? This serves a purpose. Nobody else is going to give Jabari $20 million. And the Bulls needed their Chicago representative. The Bulls need somebody to come in and get some family members and friends and Simeon alumni. Come on to the game. Come see your boy. No, Jabari's doing this in the hood. Come see your boy. So we're going to keep somebody from Chicago here. <laughs> you had a coach that players didn't respect, even these young players now. Because last I heard, what, Blakeney was disrespecting the Hoiberg? Yes, why in the world are you taking me out? <laughs> Uh, he didn't say world, though. Does he need me to tell him why he's being taken out? Apparently, I, 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 I don't know what to say about that one. <laughs> I, I'm on Antonio's side, though. Like, what, what, you, you put me out, and you, you took me, you, you took me back out the game. What, what's going on? And, and after your rant, I got a rant for myself, which actually kind of adds to that point. Fred was not a good coach. That there's there's no doubt about that. 
and I have not come here to defend Fred. What I have come here to do today is put the blame where it goes. To put the blame where it goes. You want all the credit and none of the consequence. For as much credit as you wanted from when Tibbs was here, it infuriated you when you would open the newspaper and see stories about how Tibbs led the Bulls. There's reports of it. Now, I, I take Joe Cowley with a grain of salt. I think he's a pot stirrer. By all means, he is. But everything that man say ain't wrong. All beat writers have inside sources. Everything that man says ain't wrong. A lot of it is right. And I respect anybody that challenges this front office, and he does that regularly. When it's so bad, and if you know local sports media, when it's so bad that now KC Johnson has no choice but to challenge your last few maneuvers and wonder why you're still here, and that's supposedly, quote-unquote, the unofficial mouthpiece, and he doesn't know what's going on right now? Yeah. Nothing will change. The Bulls are hoping, they're praying that they fall butt backwards in the Zion Williamson. <laughs> they're doing a good job as of right now, but uh, something tells me that, that that might slow down <laughs> as the season goes on. I, I don't think that they're going to have that, that many ship, losses. That ship is going to sail. Yeah. Get ready to watch Trey Young and Zion Williamson. Oh, boy. That's going to be nasty. That's going to be nasty. Hey. Try with all their – the Bulls are even bad at being bad. You try with all your might to fail, and you got the seventh pick. Wendell Carter is great. Well, they didn't really have a, have an excuse after a while. After the league kind of made them the puppet of all the people tanking, they didn't really have an excuse. It was like, oh, well, hey, we see you guys. Don't try and tank. They did it wrong. Sure they did it wrong, but they, they should have been smarter. Should have been smarter. Is Robin Lopez still on this team? Maybe somebody wants him when playoff time comes. We said that last year. Why is Justin Holiday still on this team? Maybe somebody wants him when playoff time comes. <laughs> I don't know. They're they're just holding on for, for, for right now. Building up their resume. What are you waiting for? Then you make a draft promise to Chandler Hutchinson. Athletic young man. Yeah. He's not being, being used as much as I thought, though. Then you get in front of the podium, get on the radio, singing the praises of Gar Foreman, telling us how he uh, was able to secure Chandler Hutchinson, who's going to be a great 
bench piece for us. Now, this may not seem like anything big to anybody, but it does to me. Okay. You made a draft day promise to somebody that you foresee to be on your bench. Now, if that ain't small thinking, I don't know what is. Because if you're looking at a career seventh man, you ain't got to make no promises. You allow what could be better talent to go past to honor this promise. That's true. For what you foresee as a support piece. Didn't Michael yet, Jr. Jr. fall past that, or or am I am I am I thinking? No, he, he was. I think he went fourteen to Denver. Okay, all right. I'm just checking. The pattern of Bulls coaches. What we were talking about. Number one, Bill Cartwright. Soft-spoken, easygoing, once threatened to break Michael Jordan's legs, but for the most part, easygoing. Didn't like him. He's got to go. Need somebody a little more hard-nosed. Enter Scott Skiles. Hard-nosed guy. No nonsense. Holds players accountable. Some may write about the culture. He's got to go. During the holidays, they decide to fire that man. Enjoy your time with your family. Let's go for easy going. Vinny Del Negro. A good interviewer. He does a great interview. Good talker. Sounds like Gar Foreman. Yeah. Too easy going. Players running you over. Let me go choke him by the necktie. Get him to do what I want him to do. He wanted to win too much. He played Joe King Noah 30 minutes instead of 28. Even though Joe said he'd do it. Gotta go. Tom Thibodeau. Hard nose. Tough. Track record of success. Holds players accountable on both ends of the court, especially on defense. Came in, immediately developed an identity. It did not take you any time for that team to meld. Do you remember Bulls fans? His first year. You had the best record in the league. His first year. You felt the confidence that you could go down there and beat the big three. And every year, gave them the flux, with or without Derrick Rose. Now, I'm not one for moral victories. 
but gave them the flux. The media singing his phrases. What is Tibbs doing? What's his secret? Let's bring him in studio. Have him talk to the guys on NBA TV, the guys on ESPN, the guys on TNT. And he doesn't even like to talk. Oh, we can't have that. He's getting too much credit. We drafted Derrick Rose. He fell in your lap. We drafted Taj Gibson. We signed Carlos Boozer. Yeah. When's the last time you heard them talk about Marcus T? Oh, my God. Please. That dude. When Tibbs was in the room and said, get me Draymond Green, I like him. I can do something with him. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Where is he now? <laughs> Let's play that game. Where is he now? Tony Snell was supposed to be the shooter of the future. Three and D guy. Mm-hmm. He is neither shooting threes or playing D on this team. Doing okay or did okay in Milwaukee for a while. Outside of Taj Gibson and Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose who fell into your lap. Mm-hmm. Where's your draft success? I'll give you Wendell Carter. And Larry Marketing, who I don't think they actually knew how good he was. They never scouted him. Nope. <laughs> he fell into your lap too. Hard. Bobby Portis fell into your lap. Fred Hoiberg had to tell you about him. And in my opinion, the jury's still out on him. Yeah, like uh, I think Bobby is, has a uh, has a uh, made himself into a legitimate six man be- good backup post player. Man, he, he's 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 doing good. We'll see. Because now it's time to pay him. We'll see. Yeah, true. So in roughly fifteen years, six good picks. Of those six good picks, one franchise player, maybe two, depending on what Lowry becomes. And then they'll tell you, well, you know, we've had the draft low. Do the Spurs use that excuse? Do the Trailblazers use that excuse? Even teams who draft low and don't get good players don't come whining to you talking about how low they've drafted. You can't get a free agent. The only free agents you can get are wounded and washed. Yeah. Um, Look, I let me let me let me let me step in and do my rant for a second because this is uh, 
I, I feel everything you're saying from beginning to end. I don't think uh, there's anything that I disagree with. My own little two cents on this is they keep going back and forth with these coaches. Like you said, you can see the personalities of each coach that they direct or, or rather that they hire. Uh, it goes from hot and cold, angry and forceful and, you know, over, over the top to nice and kind and, a, a, a floor mat, a doormat, just somebody that's easy to, to deal with, easy going. You know, they, they're not getting the point. And this is going to continue to be a turnstile. Now, I will say this. With Jim Boylan, Jim Boylan comes from good, a good tree, a, a, a good stock. You know, you're under Greg Popovich, Rudy Tomjanovich. You know, he's had really, really good coaches that he's been under. But – the culture has to change. Like you mentioned, when Tom was here, he changed the culture from day one. And I think that's what Boylan is trying to do. From what I heard, they're running suicides. Those dudes are out of shape. Their conditioning is horrible. And he's going to change that. He said that has to be done. That There has to be something that needs to be done about that right now. And he's changing that. I like that. I, I want to give Jim Boylan a chance. But one thing I'm a little irritated about is, as you mentioned already, on the way out, when Fred Hoiberg was getting fired, there was reports that Zach Levine just had carte blanche to do anything. Uh, there was a report that came out that basically said there were those who were held accountable in the locker room and on that team, but when Zach Levine wanted to do something, uh, it was kind of mulled over. It was like overlooked. Okay, yeah, Zach, you do what you want to do. And he lost the locker room. And there was an interview with Larry Markkinen, I want to say the day after he came back. And the, I can't remember the reporter. His voice sounded familiar. It had to be a local reporter. But he asked him, he said, in your opinion, do you think that Fred lost the locker room? And is it true that Zach Levine was able to kind of just go about his own business his own way? And Larry Markkinen, you know, didn't have a good poker face. He didn't say anything, but he said everything. His face gave it away. It was just almost like, you know, he smirked it off and he kind of was trying to answer it like, well, mm, you know, it, all I can say. It was just a whole bunch of beating around the bush. That right there tells you everything you need to know about just how bad. Yes, Fred Hoiberg was set up. He was set up to fail. He was never really given the team that he wanted. And he was just a, he was a doormat. But this team is just, it's all over the place. Then again, I have an issue with Randy Brown. Oh, and I, I didn't get to Randy Brown. <laughs> what you say? I, I didn't even get to Randy Brown. Carry on, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. trust me. If it, was, if it was anything you left out, trust me, I was going to cover it. Because Randy Brown is now not with the organization. Funny how... Now, Jim Boylan tells you, you know what, we're going to give you a different role. It's not a, it's not a, a demotion, but it's just a different role. You're not going to be an assistant anymore. You're going to have a back seat. So you know how Randy had one of the seats in the front on the front row. Well, now you're going to be one of the guys in the back row. That was told to him. He mulled over it. He said, you know what, sleep on it. Next day they get to practice. Randy's like, you know what, I, I'm just not comfortable with this, this, this position. Now, whatever position that was, 
whatever he 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 uh, was told that he was now trying uh, going to do, he wasn't okay with it. And for the longest, I've loved Randy Brown as a player. Always liked Randy Brown as a player. Mm-hmm. However, there's Good always guy. been rumblings of him being a snake, him being a snitch. And I think that he did not like his position because now he doesn't have anybody that he can answer to. He doesn't have anybody rather that he can go and say, hey, you know what, well, this is going on. So he's trying to root that all out of there. He didn't like his new position. He says, well, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm just pack my bags and go. Okay. See you later, Mr. Brown. Nice knowing you. See, and I think that's what it's going to have to take for this this organization, the culture to truly change. It's for the people who pretty much are part of the old regime, the old type of thinking, including Gar Foreman and possibly including John Paxson, even though I really don't 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 put him on the same pedestal as, as Foreman when it comes to just the 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 the, uh, the poison, the toxic uh, way they go about doing things. There's people who have to be let go. And Randy Brown was one of them, in my opinion. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful that Jim Boylan is, again, putting down his foot when it comes to what needs to be worked on. They're getting their conditioning in order. Now, will all of these young guys follow that? Because it, it kind of seems like maybe he's kind of going back towards the Tom Thibodeau route. Maybe not. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll see who really wants to put forth more effort, put in more work. We'll see. But as of right now, I like what Jim Boylan is doing. Um, but this organization is in shambles. It's in shambles. If you want to put butts in seats, okay, go right ahead. Because you know people are constantly going to come and watch a Bulls game. Win or lose. And if that's what's most important to you, you truly don't want to try to get back on top and do things the right way then you're going to consistently lose. Well, you're going to lose me as a fan. I'll put it like that. I can't speak for everybody else, but you're going to lose me as a fan. They're just so lazy and so fragile. Some of the most fragile egoed men, and they hire men of, of fragile will and ego. Please explain to me what is Randy Brown? What is Pete Myers good at? What are they developing? What have they developed? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. A bad vibe. Commonly believed to be the top assistant in the NBA is Ron Adams. Players sing yeah. his praises yeah. about how he has helped them to develop in both aspects, offensively and defensively. Yeah. And because he disagreed with you, he had to go. He had to go. Pete Myers and Randy Brown to be the eyes and ears of the organization in the coaching room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Randy to be gone now, perhaps Randy was told, hey, you got to go sit down. 
I want you to, to buff down a little bit. And like you said, he didn't like it. Perhaps his day to mull that over was a call to PAX. <laughs> hey, uh, what you going to do about your boy? <laughs> Nothing. And now your hands are tied. You can't fire the guy that you just sang the praises of yesterday. Yeah, what you think? You going to side with him? Yeah, no, no. We just hired him. In the la- outside of Ron Adams. Remember tip staff? Ron Adams, Ed Pickney, mm-hmm. Adrian Griffin. Yeah. Even to this day, all three of those gentlemen are still viewed as some of the top assistants in the NBA. Which Bulls assistant is one of the top assistants in the NBA? Uh, they're not here anymore. You just mentioned them. And not that that makes a franchise. Oh, it makes a little difference. Yeah. If you know NBA basketball, you know at least two assistant coaches for the Spurs. Mm Mm-hmm. You know they're next. You know Brett Brown came from there. Steve Clifford came from there. Budenholzer came from there. Who came from the Bulls? Nobody. Now I'm a basketball junkie. I'm a coaching junkie. So I know that Portland's got two or three guys sitting there waiting for their chance too. I know that Utah's got two or three guys sitting there waiting for their chance too. I know that Budenholzer Brett Brown have taken some people with them that are waiting for their chance, too. They're next. Brad Stevens has a couple guys. They're next. Who's here? Who's next? You can't be so fragile. You can't do this this old-timey, fragile-egoed business model. And sustain success. And it comes from the top. It comes from the top. Because remember, in 1998-1999, the Chicago Bulls, winners of six of eight championships, were broken up. Because the Chicago Bulls finally decided they were going to go ahead with the plan that organizations win championships. Not Michael Jordan. Not Phil Jackson. Not Scottie Pippen. Not the upper level role players they had. All due respect to Jerry Krause for bringing those guys in. You had Michael Jordan. You had Scottie Pippen. Bonafide Hall of Famers. Yeah. Had a great coach. Say what you will about Phil. Ready-made teams. You had a great coach. Phil Jackson is the reason that Steve Kerr is what Steve Kerr is. Phil Jackson is the reason you know who Judd Bushler is. 
But guess what? The fragile ego. And it exists. It exists in, in sports business. But the really smart ones bite their tongue. They suck it up so they can succeed. Because eventually, when you're hoisting a trophy, it doesn't matter. You'll get the credit. Yeah. That's all that matters at the end of the day. You win, you're good. Jerry Krause was booed every year. Every year at the parade. Holding a trophy, getting booed. And when he when you look at his career resume, guess what you can't take off of there? Six time NBA champion. Mm-hmm. When they retired his jersey, the boos were an honor, not in vitriol. He even got cheers. See, in the end, you'll get your just due. You have to win. You have to suck up your ego and win. What do you think the front office in Golden State is doing? Yeah, they talk the smack. We're light years ahead of the league. Maybe, maybe not. They're doing some things that's showing up the rest of the league. Yeah. Light years, probably not. Have they done some ego things? Yeah. Mark Jackson doesn't have a job. Headbutt. But when things started clicking, when that winning snowball got going, they weren't dropping little blurbs in the newspaper. Hints around the league. Looking for coaches to replace Steve Kerr behind his back. Going to their alma mater to find a coach and then saying, this is not my guy. You got on the podium and said he's not Gar's guy. If I could have just had a seat in that room, Jordan, I would have taken a, a complete veer off of the Joe Kelly question. Fred Hoiberg's not Gar's guy. He's all of our guy. We all signed off on him. Okay. All right. So, um, who decided to go see God? Whose call was that? Mm-hmm. Up in the meeting. Whose idea was Fred Hoiberg? Or did you all just sit in the room and all snap your fingers in unison and say, Fred Hoiberg? Many, many, many more. Somebody's guy. He's somebody's guy. And this is the thing. Besides the the whole lack of accountability, the fragile ego, it's the hypocrisy. 
you can't get a straight answer out of these guys. Unless they're blowing their own horns. You can't get a straight answer. They're like jilted girlfriends. Tibbs hasn't said word one about the Chicago Bulls in three years. And if it's come up, he's give them credit. There's even rumors that Fred Hoiberg could get a job in Minnesota. No ill will. At least not vocalized. But every chance you get, you throw a little shade at Tom Thibodeau. Like you dated him in high school. Well, they were they were bad at defense last year. They made the playoffs. They're gonna make the playoffs this year. Using the pieces that you cast off. If this thing turns around. And I'm willing to give Boylan a chance because he he has a, a demeanor about him. Yeah, absolutely. And I had I and I and I said this, Jordan. I said the first thing you got to do for me to believe in you as a coach mm-hmm. is in this organization is hire your own assistants because this front office insists on giving you assistance. Yeah, and he's done that already. And he's done it to an extent. He's had to pull within the Bulls organization, and and I'll and I'll grant him that because it's not a lot on the street right now. It's the middle of the season. Yeah, and the dismissal of Randy Brown speaks volumes. I'd be interested in seeing what's going to happen with Pete Myers, because there's eyes and ears somewhere. Please believe it. There's a spy in the house somewhere. Is it Pete Myers? Because the grittiness, the profanity, the exuberance, at some point, that's going to all wear off. And I'm not saying whether he can or cannot. But Jim Boylan is going to have to coach. You have a young team. Jim Boylan's going to have to coach. I watched the game the other day. It was Fred's last game. And the way that Zach Levine blatantly refused to pass the Lowry Markin on the block was sickening. It was Houston, I think. Lowry Markin had Chris Paul on him several times. And Houston does that, especially when they absolutely unequivocally believe you're not going to throw it in the post against Chris Paul. Similar to what they did to Golden State last year when they were running screen roll and post-ups on Chris Paul. And Kevin Durant just kept chucking jump shots, but that's a different story. Right. You got to get those two to work together. It can be something very impressive if they can work together, but you got to get it to happen. Got to get Zach to buy into the fact that he's already paid. You already paid, buddy. Make the team work. You don't have to get stats, even though I'm sure there's probably a bumper in there for making the All Star team. 
that's what Boylan has to do. Get these young guys to work together some kind of way. Am I happy to see the gimmicky Fred Hoiberg offense finally gone? A little bit. Because we've been force-fed this college offense that's supposed to have been so innovative, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. Fred Hoiberg isn't completely to blame for the situation he was in. There are 30 professional coaching jobs. 32? So they're not that easy to come by for some. So when you're offered one, you're going to take it. Some men go their whole life trying to get one and never get it. So if you're offered one, you're going to take it. I can't blame Fred Hoiberg for taking his job, even if he wasn't ready. You never know when the chance comes again. That's true. And you don't know. It may work. But he was not ready. He was eaten alive. And oddly enough, John Paxson and Gar Foreman and Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf are to blame. You fed him to the wolves. And then you told us you were going to teach him how to coach and you didn't because you don't know yourselves. You don't know a good coach. How can a team that can't keep a coach longer than three years know a good coach? Yeah, that doesn't sound like uh, (laughs) any truth to that. I don't think that they know anything. They know what they think they want. They are who they know what they think they want standing there. They know what personality they think they want kissing their ring. Yeah, they are who we thought they were. It's, It's sickening. It's diabolically sickening, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Look, man, hey, you're ranting, you're ranting today. Everything you're saying makes sense. It's okay. When, you, when you're talking about the Bulls, everything you say probably makes sense. It's okay. And see, I'm, I'm rooting for the Bulls. I hope the Bulls do well. I, need, I want the Bulls to make the playoffs. One, it makes me right. But, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be real here. Mm-hmm. This draft is probably four players deep. So when the Bulls end up with seven or eight or nine again, it does you no good. You don't need any more role players. Make the playoffs. You got a team chock full of role players. You don't need another one. Make the playoffs. Let your young team experience that. John Paxton and Gar Foreman need to get out of the way of their coaches or someone needs to remove them from the way of their coaches. Stop trying to maintain control. Stop trying to find sheep. Fix this team. 
This is the team I've grown to know and love for almost 40 years. It gives me sports pain when this team is like this. <laughs> it's my basketball team. You got sports cramps? Sports cramps. And now, on to my football team. They let one slip away, Jordan. Well, yeah, they let it slip away, all right. Man, they thought they had it. I thought they had it. As as miraculous as a comeback as that was, they 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 let it they let it go. And 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 this is this is my problem. This happens every time in sports. Whenever you try to say that you're not overlooking a underdog or a team that just is not this not their year, horrible statistically, they still give you their best. And you're talking about a team that has superior talent on it. Regardless of how horrible Eli Manning is, you have Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley to deal with. And yes, I know Nagy. I, I honestly don't think Nagy overlooked this, and everybody was like, "Well, man, that L.A. Rams matchup is something we're looking forward to, and we we got to get ready for them because that's that's the real deal right there." Now, I don't I don't honestly think anybody was thinking that, or I should say, everybody was thinking that. But uh, my only question is, could Mitch Trubisky truly could have played? Because rumblings were, if this was a playoff game. He would have been in, you know, for that Giants game. So, so could he have pushed himself to do something, to 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 be out there with his team, possibly? Um, when I turned on the game because I didn't I didn't watch it until maybe the fourth quarter, I was thoroughly shocked, thoroughly shocked. Not only at the score, or, or rather that they were leading, but at the amount of points that the Giants had. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, we're singing the praises of this Bears defense. We're, we're talking about Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson and the boys, just how dominant they are. And don't get me wrong, every dog has his day because, you know, we just talked about how bad Jacksonville is, and including tonight. But, man, I, I was I was, I was, was thoroughly shocked. You're coming off of a long or a longer rest period from the, the, the three games in 12 days. So I don't know if maybe that was a factor they kind of they kind of fell out of out of the loop with that or, or I don't know you know you can't really blame really everything you know they just they just didn't play as sharp and as crisp as I thought they would I thought you know Chase would have would have held it down for one more start but he didn't do his thing got two interceptions there was a lot of bad snaps from Cody Whitehair the ball was slipping and sliding all over the place. Like, it, it was just a really crazy day. So, Chase Daniel, at first I was a little disappointed, but then I realized something. Chase Daniel is Chase Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And the Detroit game kind of made us forget that. So, when a player is average to subpar and they have a good game in order to revert back to the mean they have to have a bad one Chase Daniel threw interceptions Chase Daniel dropped snaps Chase Daniel fumbled the ball 
and it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. And I think Nagy realized something halfway through that game after the pick six somewhat that the Giants are on to us. They discovered that Chase Daniel is Chase Daniel. That's why your biggest play of the game was Tariq Cohen throwing a pass. <laughs> Somebody else other than the quarterback. Your biggest run of the game was a defensive lineman. And this is fine. I know you want to put a lot of things on tape for the Rams, especially for Sean McVay, because the more plays he has to try to memorize by rope, the better. Overload his brain. And I honestly think this Rams game coming up is going to be a close one. Mitch is supposed to play. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a close one. They'll keep it close. May even win. But the defense, Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley. Yeah. You gave the Giants points on offense. The Bears offense gave the Giants points. So now you sand the game down with Saquon Barkley. It's entirely possible. They got you on one gimmick play. Saquon Barkley played like Saquon Barkley. Odell Beckham caught a touchdown. Wasn't a whole heck of a lot. And then the Giants almost gianted the game away. Now, do you think the Bears should have gone for two? I do. If you were that scared of what Chase Daniel was being that day, go for two, win or lose, get out of New York. Yeah, I was thinking that. I I, I wish they might have they might have gotten a good outcome. I, I wish they would have went for two as well. You were rolling. New York was reeling. Rolling and reeling. That's right. They were dejected. They just gave up the onside. You marched down the field on them. They got caught on a gimmick play. That may have been your two-point conversion play. Yeah. But you can't tell me this offensive genius that Matt Nagy is can't come up with a money two-yard play to get a get a W in a game like that. Yeah. In a steal game. But they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Don't let this Giants game alarm you. They'll be fine. They still have control of the division. Would have been nice to have gotten that win with the Vikings and the Packers losing. Yeah, that would have solidified the, the, the standings. That would have made it almost impossible, almost, for anybody to kind of overtake us in the division. I think that would have put us a, into a really, really good spot. I, I'm a little bummed out, too, because now if we were to win the L.A. game, you know, that would also put us in a good position to try and get a bye week for the first round of the playoffs, which, you know, is an advantage over playing, you know, so. Well, that would have been nice, but oh, well. Yeah, that's all. You can forget that. Yeah. 
the Rams ain't losing three games and New Orleans ain't losing two. Although the Rams, uh, I, I will say New Orleans does do play. Uh, they 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 do play uh, Carolina twice, maybe, just maybe. I've seen Carolina. I've seen Carolina. They got a fighting chance. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. You have a playoff game at home. The Green Bay Packers, since we brought them up a little bit, fire coach Mike McCarthy. And oddly enough, I don't even think that's the most controversial coach firing they had. Oh, really? What? what? Wait, who else did they get rid of? Packers assistant coach Winston Moss got fired for making a statement on Twitter that the Packers need to uh, get a coach that can right the ship in the culture and hold number 12 accountable. I love it when a man speaks his mind. Wasn't much long after that that he too was shown the door. Can't call out number 12 even when he's not good. And he was not good against the Cardinals. That's what happens when you speak your mind. And if you read the comments from those Packers fans, how can you blame Aaron Rodgers? You should be loyal to the franchise. The man wasn't speaking ill of the franchise. Mm-mm. You already fired the coach. Mm-hmm. But no, let's not imply that Aaron Rodgers has anything to do with this. Reports came out that Aaron Rodgers has been changing the plays at the line. All of them. All of them. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't like this. I don't like that. Yeah, we're going to go with an audible. That's, a, that's insane. All of them? Who's your offensive coordinator when you're scoring 13? Who's the offensive coordinator? Aaron Rodgers, apparently. Mm-hmm. Now, am I saying Aaron Rodgers isn't one of the greats of our era? Of By not. no means. Of course not. Yeah. But Aaron Rodgers does wrong. Everybody has their place. And he's done a lot of it this year. Quarterback is the most important position, maybe in sports, but definitely on a football team. Everyone knows a franchise quarterback can be the difference between three and thirteen and thirteen and three. So if you're the best, I don't think so. I still happen to think that guy in New England is. But if you're the best, why does your team have a five percent chance of making the playoffs? Hmm. Well, I've always thought that Green Bay was at a disadvantage, even with one of the best, if not one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of NFL. Uh, their team overall lacks a lot of talent in the most important areas. Yes, they've improved in the secondary. Yes, you know, they have uh, some decent players on the defensive front. But overall, their talent is is lacking. Uh, their, their, oh, their, their receivers, I mean, Devontae Adams has – has created himself into has made himself into a decent wide receiver, 
but by no means is that wide receiver core very good. You're talking about people like Marquez Valdez-Scatley and uh, whoever the other guy is. You got Randall Cobb, who's old and, and hurt, so he he's, he's past it. You know, Jordy Nelson was let go because he's old. You only got one legitimate receiver. And then Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is hobbling all over the place because his offensive line isn't as good as it used to be. The running game is always running back by committee because there's really no viable running uh, option. You know, it's either Aaron Jones or used to be uh, James. Uh, I can't even remember his last name, but they're, they're, they're not as good as, as people think they are. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a uh, little quiz here. OK, shoot. All right. I'm talking about a quarterback. OK. This quarterback usually has one good receiver. A mediocre offensive line. And every year it does running back by committee. Who am I talking about? Uh, let's see. Uh, Tom Brady? Yes. Okay. Which is why I feel the way I feel. The same reasons that you and others. You're not a Packers fan. I know that. I'm not going to put you in that. Watch your mouth. I'm not even going to do that to your life. <laughs> many Rogers supporters and Packers fans will say, well, he doesn't have this and this and this around him. Tom Brady's been fighting that same fight for years. Yeah, but he also has a, a, a very, very good coach and a very good system. Why do you think what you call it got fired? That dude is a, is a klutz. A very good system? What's the system? The New England Patriots have always had a very good system. They offensive system? What is it? Absolutely. Offensive system. They used to have a better defense, but overall they have a way better team than than Green Bay. So when you compare those two quarterbacks, yes, they do have usually they don't have the best wide receivers, even though I will argue in Tom Brady's favor, he's had a track record of having better receivers than say a, a, a Aaron Rodgers. You got Josh Gordon, you got Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski is one of the best tight ends ever in the game. Uh, back then, he had Randy Moss, Deion Branch. He's had some pretty decent options. Hey, hey, hey. Whether you don't want to hear it or not, he's had. had five receivers better than Deion Branch. No. Randall Cobb in his prime is better than Deion Branch. And Randall Cobb in his prime was Aaron Rodgers' third option. Look, all I'm Josh saying Gordon is a dice roll who just got to the team in week six, and he's still not guaranteed to finish the year because if he smells weed, who knows what could happen? <laughs> okay, still that doesn't deny the talent, though. Julian Edelman was a college option quarterback. Why are you talking about college? We're talking about the here and now. Julian Edelman still is a very good receiver. Why is he a good receiver? Because he's gritty. He can catch the ball. He's one of the best slot receivers in the game. So what will Aaron Rodgers do with that? 
I would assume he would do even better if you paired him up with a uh, Devontae Adams. So he'd be the number two option as opposed to the number one option. Absolutely. If they had a number one option, that's what I'm saying. Josh Gordon is a legitimate number one. If he can just stay on task, why do you think new England picked him up? Because apparently they think that they know that that's what I'm saying. Apparently they think they can keep him in line. They and they need more. and they need one black receiver. <laughs> Whatever, I'm not touching that. Look at the track record. <laughs> he fulfills the black receiver quota. Hey, quota or not, the man I, I would take a chance on him too. You don't want him, Cleveland? Okay, bring him my way. We can we can work with him. I like Josh Gordon, but I couldn't. I couldn't make that gamble. Okay. Hey, that's what that's what business decisions are about. That's a new thing, though. I mean, that's again, that's not even six weeks old. You know, he just he just started playing for them. I mean, for every Josh Gordon, there's a Dante Stallworth, a David Gibbons. God, David Givens. Wow. Now, that is a name I haven't heard in a very long time. Yeah, but here's to uh, here's to the Packers' success. Let's hope, uh, let's hope things work out. All right. Who's the – oh, Joe – that's right. Joe Philbin is taking over as their coach. That is so much better than Mike McCarthy. Absolutely. Philbin, you remember that guy? Uh, vaguely, yeah, I, I remember. I know that name. He was in Miami, bungling that situation up when they picked up Chad Johnson, and he they were on hard knocks, and he had to cut Chad Johnson. And it was kind of like he went on this this rant and this ramble before he had to cut Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson sitting there like, "If you're gonna cut me, just cut me." I don't really want to hear this story. Yeah. That's Joe Phil. But, hey. Where I want it. Who do you think is going to be their next real coach? Uh, it could be somebody that comes from the college ranks. Could be, uh, I'm, I heard rumblings of Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, which I wouldn't want because I don't want a, a Chicago guy going to Wisconsin and coaching for those those fools. But uh if it happens, it happens. Or you 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 could uh, get a guy like uh I'm trying to remember Oklahoma's coach, Tyler Murray's quarterback, uh, uh Tyler Murray's uh, head coach. Can't remember his name. But uh he's Stoops. say that one more time. It's not Stoops anymore, is it? No, no, no! It's not Stoops. It's the, uh, the this guy is like the new offensive-minded head coach of the of the college game. Everybody's talking about him. I can't remember his name, but uh, Tyler Murray is the quarterback at that that school at Oklahoma. Oh, Tyler Murray, likely, yeah, uh, likely Heisman winner. Yeah, more than likely. And the funny thing is he's not even trying to go to football. He's trying to he's he's a high baseball prospect. 
that's a good decision. Yeah, more money, safety, less wear and tear on the body. I'd say. Most that. Most that. But yeah, the um, Packers aren't in good shape and great. Uh, the Bears look like they're going to go ahead and high step one into the playoffs. Right now, I believe they have an 80% chance of making it. So don't mess this up. Yeah, let's just get those percentages up. Let's, let's, let's shock the world and beat Los Angeles this week and get some momentum going back into the right direction. Now, if anybody could have a trap game, it's the Rams. They just won the division. Yeah. So look out for that, too. Even though I hope they don't really take it easy, in a sense, because I got Ty Gurley in my playoffs, and I already lost two running backs, to one to injury and one to domestic violence. So I don't need Ty Gurley uh, taking plays off. Your running back got beat up? Well, uh, uh, Kareem Hunt, we already know that situation. James Jackson. Yeah. Uh. Oh, well. Wish you well on that one. <laughs> Do you have a restaurant for our Grub Report? Grub Report. So, uh, I know the other, the other day I mentioned uh, Los Encinos which is a, a very, very good Mexican restaurant. Um, this time, I'm going to put you all on to a spot called Japone. It is... Uh-huh. Oh, I, I think, yeah, you, you probably do know about this place as well. Uh, yeah. It is, uh, it is uh, near the, I want to say the river... Uh, can't remember what river. I believe it's the. I could be wrong. It could be the Chicago River. I'm not really sure, but anyway, the restaurant is set up very nicely. You have an inside uh, area, and then they have like this patio section. Well, not really a patio. It's like a little area outside where they have these tents set up. It's like an Arabian type feel vibe, and you know you have your own little tent that you can uh, eat under, and they serve like a you. Concert. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> just like that and and uh it, it's very good they have decent food man i last time i went there they had uh shrimp tempura which was very very good uh some very good drinks uh so if you ever in the mood and taking your lady uh or your man out or you know you want to go on a date and you want to bring a group of people or you just want to hang out with some friends man japone is a very good Good spot. Great music. Good vibe. Nice environment. Uh, dimly lit type place. You know, a really, really nice, uh, smooth environment to, to hang out. So check that. Check that out. Google that as well. I do not have the address. Uh, I'm going to get better on just having the address ready for the, the, the upcoming spots. But uh, Japone is spelled J-A-P-A-N-O-I-S. Japone. I mean, you got to do better with locations. <laughs> even, if you don't, even if you don't have an address, like a cross street or the right river. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> hey man, come on. Don't 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 fault me too hard. I, I'll get back on it, guys. I'll get back on it. It's located near some river. 
Yeah, some river. Just look to a river and, and look around. If you don't find it, go to the next river. For water and tempura. That's right. <laughs> but it's Japonais. I've I've heard of I heard it's uh pretty good. And uh is it mostly Japanese cuisine? Uh, they have a, a a variety of stuff, but yeah, mostly yes. I, I will say it is obviously catered towards or or more so uh, geared towards Japanese cuisine. Yeah, very tasty, very tasty. I'm trying to remember the spot I was going to bring up. Yeah, you had a spot last week. Well, the last podcast, I should say. I pocketed it, man. I um. I can't remember. Yeah, you're just trying to keep it to yourself, man. Come on, tell the Stay Eyes fans. I'm really not. I, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, <laughs> that's all right. That's all that Bulls ranting you was doing, man. You kind of throwing off today. They just they anger me so. Like, you know how you have those moods where you feel like you could genuinely run a sports franchise better than who's doing it. Oh, absolutely. I think about that when I think about the Kings, even though I have to give them their props, they're getting a little bit better. Uh, I was going to give you a hard time for that. Huh? I was going to give you a hard time for that. The Kings are doing pretty well. Yeah, they. they I have to admit, they are doing substantially better than this organization over here. Yeah. But the thing is, like, that's going to give them hope that if idiots can do it, then... Other idiots can do it. I don't want them to have that hope. Yeah. But I guess it won't matter. They won't be held accountable. Well, in the meantime, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be on the road over the weekend. I will pick up some stuff. Uh, uh, where are you going? I'm heading to Tennessee. My oh. niece is graduating college, so we're going to spend the weekend, me and my brother, Gonna spend the weekend down there, and uh, maybe we can get some some good old Q or something down there. Have you been to Tennessee before? No. Okay. All right. I have a very interesting story uh, that I will probably bring up on the next podcast. Uh, Funny thing, I was just talking about this yesterday with a friend about my adventure in Tennessee on the way to our first cruise for our honeymoon. We took a road trip to Florida, and uh, one of the states we had to go through was Tennessee. Didn't have a good time in Tennessee, but, uh, yeah, I'll let you all know about that next time. Does this involve intrigue and racism? Oh, yes, it involves intrigue, racism, and uh, getaways. Hopefully, I won't experience any of those things. Yeah, so I definitely will be hoping that you have a very safe endeavor to Tennessee. I don't want to deal with any racism. It's bad enough I got to deal with it in Indiana. It's coming. (laughs) Oh, it's happening, sweetheart. No, not again. Um, (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out this restaurant, and and I can't think of it. Uh, you know, we'll just uh, throw out Dunkin' Donuts for this week. I want to throw out Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Clever. 
since since that rant, I still refuse to go there. I haven't even gone on their website, and I've seen people spotting in and out, um, in the building that I work in. Really, I, I still refuse to go there. But I, I, I'll throw a little random something out. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I was gonna do. Okay, here we go. So, Venice Pizza. Venice Pizza. Okay. All right. Venice Pizza. It is a small storefront pizza parlor on Kennedy Ave, I believe, in Hammond, Indiana. Venice Pizza. Very good pizza. Okay. I say about middle of the road price wise and what you're going to pay for pizza. They make a extra, extra large pizza. Like it's roughly three feet by two feet. So, and it's good. It's not like those really big pizzas you get and it tastes like trash because it's big. And they didn't want to put any ingredients on it. Now, this pizza's good. And Venice pizza. So, the really big one, you're going to have to pay about $35 for. Which isn't overly bad, because if you get a really uh, one big enough, you can get other people to ante up for it, and then, you know, it don't cost as much. Okay. Venice pizza is really good. Also, I'm going to throw this out there. Since uh, I gave you something kind of simple, I'm going to give you a twofer. On pizza this week, this is a Chicago staple, Waldo Cooney's. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I do not like them. Waldo Cooney's is great. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing you're talking about the one by your house? uh, Yeah, the one on Ridge Road. Yeah. You don't like that one? Uh, not at all. At least not. Well, I I don't know what people's preferences are, but I do not like a pizza where it's ninety percent crust and ten percent cheese and meat. So, now, are you getting the single slices? Yes, I am. Okay, so the single slices are not as good as the actual pizza. The okay. single slices are thicker. Okay. So when you get an actual Cooney's pizza, it's a very thin crust. But the flavoring the flavoring of the cheese with the sauce and the meat comes together pretty well. They always offer some little coupons and discounts. They dress it up nine different ways, but it's always the same sale. Okay. But right. you know, it's not the greatest. And it's not even beggars, to be honest with you. But it is a extremely serviceable and, dare I say, good pizza. Waldo Cooney's and Venice Pizza in Hammond. Waldo Cooney's can be found at several different locations. Ridge Road and Lansing. Then um, there's one on like 106th Street. In southeast side Chicago, and then on southwest side on the hundred and third. So that's Waldo Cooney's. 
and in Waldo Coonies. And talking about them, shout out to G Wiz Greg down in Texas, the co-host of the Triangle Offensives. He put me on to Waldo Coonies way back in the day. Did he? I wonder what he was talking about. Yeah. He used to like crap Cooney slices, man. We was like, what is this dude talking about? Yeah, one day <laughs> one day we, we grabbed a Cooney slice and it's still not beggars. It's not beggars. I was about to say, I, I, I don't put that place nowhere near the top pizza spots, but okay. It's not beggars. And maybe one day we'll do a pizza episode. We'll throw some rankings out there, like of takeout pizza. We did the frozen pizza. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll do some restaurant pizza. Who do you love? And uh, maybe I'll throw some out on the uh, on the old social media out there and, and see what everybody's thinking. Won't yeah. be next week. We're going to have uh, featured next week adventures in Tennessee from uh, Chris and Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I'm just glad I'm alive. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, the statute of limitations on Jordan and his wife uh, have expired. <laughs> he can tell us the full story next week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. But hasn't this been riveting? Oh, it's been something. Because, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. You've listened to another episode of the Stay House Podcast. Again, we can be reached social media, Instagram, as well as Twitter, at Stay House Podcast. Thank you for listening to our rants and raves especially mine about the misled Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I'm Chris. Been with Jordan. Been real, everybody. See y'all next week.